Hey Z, remember when you called in a few days saying that you hoped that you hadn't compromised our friendship? Well, I feel you've gone and done it now, because uh, you crossed the line. Yep, I heard the call-in in which you said you enjoyed the great everything, but what do you know? You also enjoy punk rock. Punk rock. You compared me to punk rock. That's crossing the line. That is just, that's, no. I mean, you could have said prog rock. I would have been, okay, I would have been fine with that. You could have said pop music. I would have been like, but punk rock? What, like Green Day? I hope, I hope you didn't mean Green Day. You might be able to climb out of this if you meant like the Ramones and, you know, maybe Sex Pistols, The Clash, maybe. But if you meant Green Day, I'm afraid that that's just a, a step too far uh, or a step way too far. This is, uh, this is untenable, Z. That's the right word, untenable. Oh, no, it's happened. Okay, this is the first time. If this happens too many times, uh, it will be, oh, the word of the day is untenable. <laughs> what happened? I recorded five minutes, five very well-constructed minutes, a, re- a retort, and it just lost it. It just said, failed, try again. Okay, I'll try again, but... It's not going to be the same as the first one. <laughs> what are you looking at? Hmm? What are you looking at? Are you looking at me? You looking at me? Okay, Patrick, you can falsely but eloquently claim that Christ existed and was a historical figure. No problem. No lines crossed. You can make claims that philosophy is somehow as important or even more important than psychology. Still, no lines crossed. But to extrapolate and convolute my words, to somehow infer that the likes of Green Day are punk rock, You, sir, have gone too far. I don't know if you heard, but in the pop world, punk rock died when the Sex Pistols came around. Uh, Much like Christ, I guess it had a second coming because then Nirvana came and was the next new punk rock. Bullshit, but okay. And then when Kurt blows his brains out, Green Day takes over. Now, chances are, if you were in a band that people know the name of, you probably weren't really punk rock. I don't know, maybe your idea of punk rock is uh, safety pins and bad haircuts. But punk rock has a long-standing tradition. It goes back to the caveman days. The beats that they made with their clubs eventually led to the blast beat. And punk rock spread into more contemporary times. People like Bach and Mozart, who still somehow found fame, regardless of their punk rock roots. Or should I say irregardless, if we're talking punk rock, should be irregardless. And Frank Zappa. Now listen, I understand your British sensibilities probably feel that punk rock started with 
John Lennon singing Revolution. And there may be a few sheds of shreds of truth. But again, you're talking about the popularity of punk rock. Lao Tzu was a punk rocker. In fact, it was Lao Tzu that was known to say that the true punk rock is not the speakable punk rock. Integrity, 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 integrity radio. Awesome segment on Caesar. There is a small error, and that was just that Jesus was actually not a historical figure. Caesar was. Now, of course, I'm always open to contrary evidence, but we have so much evidence of Caesar actually being a real person, and he existed a hundred years before Christ, but nothing of Christ, no credible evidence, not as of yet. All right, thank you, Patrick, for your response. And um, just in case you're listening to this not on Anchor, um, then I may not have successfully anchored uh, Patrick Collins. But Patrick was essentially um, trying to give proof that Christ was actually a historical living figure. And he is so well-spoken that he could convince you that vanilla ice cream was chocolate. But let's not hold this against him. Let's just take the facts. Okay, so I'll follow your premise that 20-some-odd years after, or whenever, they started to write about Christ. From what I've read... The people writing about Christ 20-some-odd years afterwards were not eyewitnesses. Okay, but let's assume that they are. The point that you're missing and where your science is failing is that 100, 400 years, I think it is, later, more is written detailing Christ. Now, it would have been hard to really get the details right from non-eyewitnesses 20-some-odd years later. But then to have even more information 400 years later, or 100 years later, whatever it might be, it's ludicrous. Now listen, I'm not uh, trying to insult any Christians out there. You know, I'm a big fan of Lao Tzu and the philosophies of Lao Tzu. But guess what? There's a good chance Lao Tzu didn't even exist. You know, Richard Dawkins talks about this thing called a meme. I think he even created the word meme. It's uh, sort of a take on the, the word gene. I guess you could say genes are physical and memes are metaphysical. And memes are essentially human extrapolations and convolutions. A lot of truth and reality is not needed for memes. When you talk about people like Caesar, well, there is plenty of evidence due to the archives, the the things that they left behind, not archives, what word am I trying to use? 
If you do your research, you'll find that there is a lot of evidence to the contrary of Christ ever existing as a historical figure. And it's very easy reading, so you don't have to be a geek to understand it, and it all makes sense. It seems, again, that your evidence is coming more from an imperialistic uh, approach of, well, this popular professor or historian says it's true. Okay, well, if you're going to follow the scientific method, then other scientists and historians need to agree. Listen, if there were any evidence of Jesus actually being a person, a historical figure, Christians here in America would go insane. If there was any evidence of Jesus Christ, Christianity would be law in America. Now, I don't deny the existence of God. I just don't believe in her. I think the Jews, with the whole we are the chosen people thing, were getting in trouble and had to create Jesus for the Gentiles. This is an observation that I've made from my own family, because one half of my family is Jews and the other half of my family are Christians. It's funny, most of the Jewish members of my family married into Italians. I love that we agree on such profound matters, yet we can maintain our contrarianism. Integrity Radio. Alright, let's make some tea and bring it up to Ronnie. that my mother would wake me up every morning. You hungry? Yeah, I'll eat some food. Um, all right, I'm going to go wake up the kids. Okay.
up, get up. Do you realize what time it is? No. Terrence, what time is it? 9.20. Oh, my God. Um, Rob. I don't know. Oh. Testicles. Up. Up, testicles. Up. What do you have to say for yourself? Good night. All right. So, uh, guys, uh, as usual, uh, 100 push-ups, 100 sit-ups, and uh, and then, oh, clean this up. Clean this yeah. mess up. Yeah. My God. Yeah. All right. Remember, cleanliness is next to godliness. But even so, clean up your room. All right. Good morning. All right. Hey, I think that was good information. Good advice, rather. And that is, uh, you know, we're talking a lot about Christianity and religion here. We're, we're, we're going to not talk a lot about that today, hopefully. <laughs> but if it comes up, hey, we got to approach it. But this is my advice as a former Christian and um, to Christians at large, especially here in America. And that is, if you were to take the book, the Bible, as, uh, or the teachings of Christ, let's say, as your philosophical base, and then still believe in God, well, then there really is no arguing with you. Of course, I don't know how you get much goodness out of the Bible from what I've read that's full of atrocities. But if you extrapolate good things that you should do to your fellow human beings and say that these good things are what I've gotten out of the Bible and this is my philosophy... And I believe in God. There really is no arguing. It's when you try to make claims. And provide no evidence. That's right, Lona. Yeah, and provide no evidence. That's when you get in trouble. Luna, you seem to be a lot happier today. huh? You like the new feeding cycle, don't you? Kind of gets you frisky. Oh, under MSM, yes. Integrity. Integrity, integrity radio. Okay, I know I promised you to the contrary. So if you don't want to hear more about Jesus, um, then just skip over this and or maybe even the next segment because I think this might take some time. But I want to read an article from the Washington Post. Did historical Jesus really exist? The evidence just doesn't add up. That's the title. This is an article that was written on December 24th. Oh, no, I'm sorry. December 18th, 2014. The writer Raphael Latester. Latester. <laughs> this is from an article in the Washington Post, 2014. Did historical Jesus really exist? The evidence just doesn't add up. There are clearly good reasons to doubt Jesus' historical existence. 
Did a man called Jesus of Nazareth walk the earth? Discussions over whether the figure known as the historical Jesus actually existed primarily reflect disagreements among atheists. Believers who uphold the implausible and more easily dismissed Christ of faith, the divine Jesus who walked on water, ought not to get involved. Numerous secular scholars have presented their own versions of the so-called historical Jesus, and most of them are, as biblical scholar J.D. Crossan puts it, an ac academic embarrassment. From Crossan's view of Jesus as the wise sage, to Robert Eisenman's Jesus the Revolutionary and Bart Ehrman's Apocalyptic Prophet, about the only thing New Testament scholars seem to agree on is Jesus' Jesus's historical existence. But can even that be questioned? The first problem we encounter when trying to discover more about the historical Jesus is the lack of early sources. The earliest sources only reference the clearly fictional Jesus of faith. These early sources compiled decades after the alleged events, all steam from Christian authors eager to promote Christianity, which gives us reason to question them. The authors of the Gospels fail to name themselves, describe their qualifications, or show any criticism with their foundational sources, which they also fail to identify. Filled with mythical and non-historical information and heavily edited over time, the Gospels certainly should not convince critics to trust even the more mundane claims made therein. The methods traditionally used to tease out rare nuggets of truth from the Gospels are dubious. The criterion of embarrassment says that if a section would be embarrassing for the author, it is more likely authentic. Unfortunately, given the diverse nature of Christianity and Judaism back then, things have not changed all that much, and the anonymity of the authors, it is impossible to determine what truly would be embarrassing or counterintuitive, let alone if that might not serve some evangelistic purposes. The criterion of Aramaic context is similarly unhelpful. Jesus and his closest followers were surely not the only Aramaic speakers in first century Judea. The criterion of multiple independent attestations could also hardly be used properly here, given that the sources clearly are not independent. All right, I'm going to continue this in another segment. Integrity Radio. Hey, Z here. This is part two of my reading from the Washington Post article titled, Did Historical Jesus Exist? Paul's epistles, written earlier than the Gospels, give us no reason to dogmatically declare Jesus might have existed. Avoiding Jesus' earthly events and teachings, even when the latter could have bolstered his own claims, 
Paul only describes his heavenly Jesus. Even when discussing what appear to be the resurrection and the Last Supper, his only stated sources are his direct revelations from the Lord and his indirect revelations from the Old Testament. In fact, Paul actually rules out human sources. See Galatians 1.11-12. Also, important are the sources we don't have. There are no existing eyewitnesses or contemporary accounts of Jesus. All we have are later descriptions of Jesus' life events by non-eyewitnesses, most of whom are obviously biased. Little can be gleaned from the few non-biblical and non-Christian sources. With only Roman scholar Josephus and historian Tacitus, having any reasonable claim to be writing about Jesus within a hundred years of his life. And even those sparse accounts are shrouded in controversy, with disagreements over what parts have obviously been changed by Christian scribes. The manuscripts were preserved by Christians. The fact that both these authors were born after Jesus died they would thus have probably received this information from Christians. And the oddity that centuries go by before Christian apologists start referencing them. Agnosticism over the matter is already seemingly appropriate, and support for this position comes from independent historian Richard Carrier's recent defense of another theory. Namely, that the belief in Jesus started as the belief in a purely celestial being who was killed by demons in an upper realm, who became historic, historicized over time, didn't know that's a word, to summarize Carrier's 800-page tome. This theory, and the traditional theory, that Jesus was a historical figure who became mythicized over time, both align well with the Gospels, which are later mixtures of obvious myth and what at least sounds historical. The Pauline epistles, however, overwhelmingly support the celestial Jesus theory, particularly with the passage in indicating that demons killed Jesus and would not have done so if they knew who he, who he was. See 1 Corinthians 2, 6-10. Humans, the murderers according to the Gospels, of course would still have killed Jesus, knowing full well that his death results in their salvation, and the defeat of the evil spirits. So what do the mainstream and non-Christian scholars say about all this? Surprisingly very little, of substance anyway. Only Bert Ehrman and Maurice Casey have thoroughly attempted to prove Jesus' historical existence in recent times. Their most decisive point, the Gospels can, gen can't, the Gospels can generally be trusted after we ignore the many, many bits that are untrustworthy because of the hypothetical, non-existent sources behind them. 
Who produces these hypothetical sources? When? What did they say? When were they reliable? Were they intended to be accurate historical portrayals, enlightening allegories, or entertaining fictions? Ehrman and Casey can't tell you, and neither can any New Testament scholar. Given the poor state of the existing sources, the atrocities, the atrocious methods used by mainstream biblical historians, the matter will likely be never resolved. Integrity Radio. Earthlings, we have now taken over your radio.
one-way train, I'm in your lane Like it's only three seconds to score to win the game Came to bring the ultimate pain up on the brain Untamed, you won't like it when I change And do a type strange Make low maniacal, monster in the game And I got my eye on you, dead shot aim As free throws keep coming down like rain You feeling me, I'm feeling you, the monster game I'm telling you, pass me the rock, now I'm headed to the basket Get up on my way, it's what you better do My tactics, it's unsportsmanlike conduct, you better ask it Don't get no better than this, you catch my drift You get stripped by ball handling rule by swag hammer Danger, you dealing with official hoop bangers With hang time, like a coat hanger Jump with thunderous, 360 degree tight dunks What up doctor? The monster funk. Uh, lightning strikes, the court lights get dim. Supreme competition is about to begin above the rim. Finessing it moves is animated. Uh, Once I get the ball in, I can't be deflated. Yeah. A rugged part of my monsters is getting money. money when clicks money. get the bugging, I'm snatching up their bunnies. Uh, every step I take shakes the ground. I make you break your ankle, sun shake you down. This is my planet, I'm about business. It's the best that ever done it. Can I get a witness? Uh, a cumulus cloud bring darkness up above. You in it for the money or in it for the love, MJ? 23 ways to make a pay. Lounging in the mothership back around my way. Uh, a 28 light years old. If the refs get political, dribble like Bob Dole. Am I getting lyrical? Daddy, I think so. Monster drop a flavor fluid, so dream slow. Hey Z, forgive me if I sound curt, but I only have one minute. So where to begin? I genuinely don't think you've made a single argument here, and I don't think it's fair to premise that my ability to make a convincing argument should somehow be held against me. If anything, it should be in my favour. Second, you bring up sources from 400 years later, which I haven't even mentioned in my argument, and even if these guys are lying, and I'm with you, they might be, how does this disprove all the other earlier and more reliable sources I've mentioned, like Tacitus, who I must add was relying on Roman court documents documents from the archives saying this Christ guy was executed under Pilate and then a cult was built around him. How is this not evidence? Your evidence for saying that he doesn't exist is the Jesus myth conspiracy, which I've read a lot on and I even mentioned in my station, and all of it has not only been disproven by the vast majority of serious scholars, and I mean the vast majority, but is also considered not just second rate, but Alex Jones levels of scholarship. Like seriously, come on man. Hey, Patrick from The Great Everything, thank you for calling in. And, you know, I think you're really busy, and I think that you don't have the time to actually listen to the words that I'm saying. Because, first of all, I had immediately discounted the fact that you are an eloquent speaker as something to be held against you, only as a point to keep in mind. As Noam Chomsky says, beware of the eloquent speaker. And, okay, I'll tell you what. I will bow to what you're saying. If you can give me, oh, let's keep the number low here, five contemporary, reputable historians that claim that Christ actually lived. Give me five of those names. Just five. And I will bow 
to your assertion that there was such a thing as a Jesus. Now, what's compelling is that you say that there are accounts of Jesus and uh, coming from Rome, coming from Caesar. I think these accounts certainly beg to be looked into. And to put the accounts of historians that are trying to prove Jesus' existence, and these are historians that are both believers and non-believers, to say that they're somehow of an Alex Jones level is absurd. I mean, the article that I reference is coming from the Washington Post. Not that they're any great authority, but still, the Washington Post and Alex Jones are a far, far cry from one another. And I am afraid you're doing what a lot of my wonderful intellectual friends do. And that is, you're glossing over points. Okay, so I looked up the whole Caesar thing, and what you're talking about is Christian interpolation. And what that term means is it generally refers to textual criticism to the specific phenomena of textual insertion and textual damage to Jewish sources text during Christian scribal transmission, but may also refer to possible interpolation in secular Roman texts, such as the case of Tacitus on Christ. So, okay, let's recap here. Interpolation, that's how it's said. Interpretation and then interpolation. I get it now. Yeah, interpolation is an entry or passage in a text that was not written by the original author. And uh, as it says here in Wiki, as there are often several generations of copies between an existent copy or an ancient text and the original, each handwritten by different scribes, there is a natural tendency for extraneous material to be inserted into such documents over time. All right, you're claiming the evidence of Christ's existence comes from Caesar or uh, Pontius Pilate. The only physical and archeological evidence that confirms the existence of Pilate himself is the Latin inscription found on a limestone block relating Pilate's tribute to Tiberius. The artifact, sometimes known as the Pilate Stone, was discovered in 1961 by an archaeological team led by Antonio Frova. It was found as a reused block within a staircase located in a semicircular structure behind the stage house of the Roman theater at Cicero, the city that served as Rome's administrative center in the province of Judea. Again, I'm not making this up. I'm just looking up the information and reading it to you. In this case, my source is Wiki, so you too can go to Wiki. And typically, if there are, uh, yeah, typically if there's contrary um, information, then Wiki will post that as well. And there is no contrary information on this particular article. All right, thanks again for your call. Integrity Radio. There's going to be a discussion, tabletop discussion, regarding. Uh, 
Patrick saying that uh, he has proof that there's significant proof that Christ actually existed. Now, the uh, stack of evidence that he needs to provide me is starting to uh, pile up. Um, he hasn't given me evidence for this thing called um, proof, you know, proving something. Replication crisis, that's it. He, he said something about replication crisis and then hasn't really proven that there is such a thing as a replication crisis. <laughs> What's a replication crisis? <laughs> well, a replication crisis is supposedly scientists and philosophers, uh, or psychologists rather, are having a problem with replicating the findings. Oh, wow. Of various yeah, experiments, yeah. I mean, uh, he's almost made like a cl uh, a blanket statement, like uh, almost. I know he couldn't have meant that, but uh, <laughs> that nothing can be proven. No. But I think that I mean, that's a that's a, just a philosophical kind of standpoint. You know, nothing can be proven. But as far as science goes, that's how well, science is proven, done, right? right? Science has to be proven. Yeah. So you, what were you guys asking? What was the proof? What proof he gave? What proof he gave that Christ existed? Well, uh, he said that there are uh, archives in, in Rome, probably. Uh, the Roman archives say so. But is it in the Vatican? Where where is this? That's where I. Oh, uh, I, I think he's he's um, quoting certain biblical historical scholars, perhaps. You know, um, he has named them, but I'm asking for him to name at least five that agree, you know, that, that use the scientific method um, to do what they're doing, of course. You know, not just opinion. In my opinion, he had to exist because everybody thinks so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, here's, the, here's the tabletop uh, uh, quiz, maybe question, more of a question than a quiz. Is there a difference between opinion and facts? Bill, you first. Yes. What's the difference? Opinion is what you think, and a fact is what you know. No, it's not bad. Coming from a, 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 a seven-year-old. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. How old are you? Twelve. Twelve. Yeah, well, a twelve-year-old knows that. Hey, you, you got any... Uh, well, with, um, well, with what Bill here said about fact and how he, he said it wrong. He said it's what you know is uh, true. It's it's not what you know. It is what is true. It's anything because if you think it's true and you say it's fact, it's just your opinion unless it's proven to be a fact. Right. And how do you prove? It has to be backed up by like sources and stuff. Sources, right? Actual sources, yeah. not just people. And, and reported yeah, experimentation, times. right? Yeah, yeah. You can't just have one person that does it and says it's true. It says it's a fact and no one else has done it. And if they do it, it's different. No. Yeah, now, if, if someone has an opinion and then a whole bunch of people agree with that opinion, does that make it fact? No. No, because it's not proven by like, actual sources besides people. Yeah, empirical evidence, I think, is what they call it. You know, empirical evidence is is good, but um, 
that can be manipulated also. Right, right. Because I, I often use the term empirical evidence in the negative, but um, yeah. So, all right, well, there you have it. The difference between an opinion and fact. Integrity Radio! All right, I'm sort of like a pit bull on things, and um, I just can't let this one go. And that is, if people put as much effort into proving the existence of Christ as was put into Einstein's theory of gravitational waves, which took a long time for the scientific community to get on board. Christianity would never have taken off. I bet you there's a, an old Jewish, act, a Jewish axiom that states that if you have a good idea, remain nameless. Or at the very least, attribute it to somebody else that maybe even doesn't exist. So, Integrity Radio, I wanted to call in and say that you and Patrick arguing whether Jesus was a real person or not, for some reason it just reminded me of the book 1984 where the main character that worked to rewrite history made up a war um, like hero and made this whole backstory and made so much detail to him that nobody would really know if he existed or not. Alright, take care. Thanks for calling in, Aaron. Uh, that's rather interesting. I don't recall that what you're referencing in 1984, I'm going to have to go back and uh, watch the movie. Heck, reading the book. And then again, maybe your reference didn't make it into the movie form. Rather more of a dispute of facts on matters that we agree upon. Kind of dogging out the details of what makes things so. I think our biggest challenge is being clear on what we disagree on. However, I don't think that our disagreements are merely academic. As they say, the devil is in the detail, and I like getting at the devil of things. All right, Aaron, thanks for calling in. I really enjoy listening to your show, Integrity Radio. All right, enough of this philosophical intellectual masturbation. It's time to make some music. All right, well, we got the music blocked on the computer, we got all the measures up and have the percussion part in, which is mostly 
being a uh, click track for us because we're going to be playing live drums along with the pre-recorded music and of course the computer doesn't have the sounds in it that I want without me updating the sound bank so here we are forced procrastination by way of computer update so while I wait for the sounds to update I would like to ask does anyone out there know the title of the song that goes like this what is that what's the name of that song Whatever that song is, I'm doing a permutation from that melody. <laughs> oh my God, how pitiful. You know, Ronnie actually printed the sheet music out to it. And that shows you how badly I am. Bigly badly. Big league badly I am at reading sheet music. I won't even read the title. So no big deal. I mean, if you don't know it off the top of your head, I'll go back in the house and search for the sheet music just a little factoid i graduated from two music schools classical music studies and jazz music studies and i faked being able to read music the whole time i graduated with honors of course i didn't screw anybody but myself there because i didn't learn as much as i could have However, two weeks into studying at Grove School, I was hired uh, to play the VIP lounges uh, all throughout Los Angeles. Don't get me wrong, I know how to read music. I'm just not very good at it. I play by ear. My ear immediately takes over. When I hear a melody or when I read a melody, I can't finish reading the melody because my ear takes over. I don't know if that makes any sense. But all said and done, I still wish I paid more attention to reading. I don't know if I were to start reading music uh, at this point, if it would be of any use. In other words, the effort versus the payoff. But I'm not trying to tap dance around the uh, matter here. It, it's awesome to be able to read and write music fluently. One of my heroes, Frank Zappa, is a great example of this. He wrote an amazing amount of orchestral stuff. I don't know if people realize this, but Frank Zappa has a whole body of contemporary classical music that he's written. I may be mistaken, but I think Zappa even liked Mahler. Oh well, there's no accounting for taste. I better go back in and I'll probably find that the computer wants me to sign in in order for the updates to be loaded in. And I'm just sitting here. All right. Back to the grindstone. 
<laughs> I was right. I was right. It was trying to uh, upload and, you know, a button had to be pushed. <sighs> Automation, my ass. So, what's the issue here? Okay, why don't I, why don't I just work with the sounds that are in Pro Tools? No, Logic. It's Logic Pro. That's what I'm using. And uh, screw Pro Tools. God, I hate Pro Tools. They ripped me off for good amount of money. All right. Um, yes, and so I'm trying to use the, uh, the I'm, I'm trying to use and I want to use a new set of instruments that are from, you know, more world beat kind of instruments. The uh, woodwinds, the reed instruments on in Pro Tools, uh, that, that comes with Pro Tools, uh, sucks really bad. It's just horrible. Flute sounds okay, so I could get by with a flute, but that's just not that ethnic sound that I need, you know, from the Mizmar or from one of those snake charmer flutes. So, now I'm sure that they have those sounds um, that you can get, and my guess is that it's in the update of that particular sound bank. So I'm updating that sound bank. They say it will take 42 hours to upload nearly two gigs. I don't know what in the world. I don't know why you can't just uh, upload that particular uh, bank of sound and not have to, because two gigs has to be the whole library of updated sounds or up, upgraded sounds, whatever. So I will go back and uh, see if it indeed is going to take 42, 50 hours <laughs> to upload. I'll stop that upload. I'll see if I can isolate uh, and I'll try it again, essentially. I think what happened was is when I went to just update that particular sound bank um it said okay so you want to update all of your sounds let's do it <laughs> yeah. ah technology this is what i mean by computers and no soul man this takes the soul and the rhythm and the whole momentum of creation it's just destroyed by a mere update and then, like, what do you have to talk about? You know how boring it is to talk about your technology problems? You know, a lot of people just claim ignorance, but it's not ignorance. You're just not going to put up with the idiocy that is uh, modern technology. You just want somebody else to pull their hair out while you reap the benefits of technology. Oh, how I miss being able to pick up an instrument and press a record button and record the instrument and then press rewind and then record again and play another instrument along with the instrument you just recorded. Could you imagine having a technology that that's all you had to do was just push a button not search through windows and go through upgrades and set parameters. 
homogenize all of your control settings. In fact, I just read an article or saw a YouTube thing regarding uh, the industry, the music industry these days, it turns out is using all the same settings. So essentially, you're hearing all the same thing. A homogenized set of frequencies that are applied to all sound. Talk about 1984, huh, Aaron? Alright, back to the Matrix. Integrity Radio. There goes that pit bull in me again. I can't let go of this on Jesus being a real person or not. You have to take into account if you're going to include history and science, you got to take into account the Library of Alexandria. Quote, the famous burning of the Library of Alexandria, including the incalculable loss of ancient works, has become a symbol of the irretrievable, irretrievable loss of public knowledge. Although there is a mythology of the burning of the Library of Alexandria, the library may have suffered several fires or acts of destruction of varying degrees over many years. Ancient and modern sources identify several possible occasions for the partial or complete destruction of the Library of Alexandria. Now, during Caesar's Civil War, Julius Caesar was besieged at Alexandria in 48 BC. Many ancient sources describe Caesar setting fire to his own ships and state that this fire spread to the library, destroying it. I think if you were to assert anything, Patrick, you would have to assert that Julius Caesar was the greatest and perhaps the first propagandist. So other than the faulty Gospels and other than the faulty bit of logic that uh, Julius Caesar or Pontius Pilate documented the existence of Christ in any way and perhaps some Templeton group historical biblical scholars where are you getting your information from? The Vatican? So, Patrick, if you're listening, <clears throat> I'd like to hear your responses.
on this. And I'd also like to ask you a question because I've been considering this. I've been considering become, becoming a secular Catholic. Is that even possible? I mean, Jews can be secular, right? So why can't Catholics? And maybe somebody someday can explain to me how Jews maintain uh, their Jewishness when they're not religious. I mean, how do you be a religion and an ethnic group? I don't understand that. I, just, I truly don't understand it. Maybe somebody can explain. Because if it's valid, then I think I'll become a secular Catholic. Yeah, I miss uh, the wafers and the, the shot. And there's nothing more metal than like, you know, a church, a cemetery, and crosses. Oh no, don't misconstrue my questions regarding the existence of Jesus as non-appreciation. Oh no. And remember, an atheist is what my oppressors call me. I don't identify as atheist. More to the point, I would be a skeptic. Which means I pay attention to the details. The time that Christ was supposed to have lived was a time of great war and destruction, murder. After the burning of Alexandria came great periods of monkey intribing, or ingrouping rather. If you read your history right, you'll see that the ancient Middle East was some bad times during the so-called Christian era. Before the birth of Christ, Julius Caesar had already set a precedence of destroying information, a trend that I'm sure his successors made use of. And really, would you trust the record-keeping under the controls of Caligula or Tiberius? Really? The burning of Alexandria set us back a thousand years before Christ was even born. Okay, back to the music. Integrity Radio. Well, before I get back to work, I just wanted to share something. I'm lamenting. Already lamenting. Um, you know, these are the early days of Anchor. It reminds me of the early days of my own life. And, you know, the cool thing is, is there's a lot of crossover. There's a lot of people talking to each other, communicating with each other that might not have or ever have uh, communicated with each other otherwise. Um, there are other mediums that allow for this, but I think this one is a strong one. <laughs> and I, I say lamenting because... You know, as Anchor becomes more popular, I'm hoping that it doesn't uh, become divided. I'm hoping that Anchor can continue to be that bridge between different cultures, different beliefs, different understandings. So I hope if you're hearing me right now, and you're using Anchor, that you don't shy away, but you become a voice. Don't be silent. 
You know, don't worry so much about being right or coming off as stupid. I mean, stupid in the house. We all have brilliance inside of us. We just need others to help us pull it out. It can't be done alone. Well, I haven't had any takers on my little Quizlet. Uh, that was, what was that song? Well, it's known as the Snake Charmer song, but I have been unable to find the origins of the song or any decent versions of the song. So I'll just go on that melody alone. 128, the Snake Charmer. Here we go, starting up out. One, two, and three. <laughs> Thank you. 
explain to you the absurdity of this situation. I am waiting, and it's never going to happen, for a download of uh, digital versions of instruments that don't come with the program, in this case, Logic. Logic Pro 10. And, uh, yeah, and I, I, I can't, I'm having problems going forward without having these instruments to use. The irony is, is of course, I have all these instruments in real life, but I'm trying to produce this thing digitally because I, I need it soon. We're doing a show in another week and it has to be done tomorrow. No, I mean, it has to be done yesterday. That's what I mean. <laughs> okay. I think I will approximate the instruments, and then uh, whenever these instruments do download, upload, whatever they're doing, um, I can replace the instruments. There we go. Fixed. Thanks for working that out with me. Integrity Radio. This is Chad Sifu. Since I, I did talk about a little bit about 1984, I just want to talk a little bit more about 1984 and the the thought crime and uh, violating the Brotherhood's opposing views, opposing their views, the Ministry of Love's views, and if those views are opposed through thought crime, then you are sent to room 101, in which case they brainwash you through fear, indoctrinate you through fear, your greatest fear. So what if you made someone's fear everybody's fear? Man chat out. Hazy, it's not that I'm failing to apply critical thinking, it's that I think you're profoundly misunderstanding my position. See, I'm not saying that Jesus definitely existed, and I'm also not saying that I have proof that he existed. I'm saying that there are sources that say he did, and that some of these sources, in particular Tacitus, I've always found to be reliable when it comes to Roman court archives. I'm a classicist, I used to deal with these things. So the point is, I don't know whether he existed or not, but there are reliable sources, like Tacitus, that say that he did. So, you know, on a balance of probability, I'm happy to go with it until better evidence comes along. You're the one who's saying that he definitely didn't exist. Do you see the difference there? And because you're being definite, I think you have the burden to show to me why I shouldn't believe all the evidence, including stuff like Tacitus, which is credible. And I don't see any reason to believe why Tacitus would have made it up. He may have, but you have to show me why I should believe that. It's almost like you want him not to have existed. Hey Patrick, thanks for calling in. Now, once again, I have to accuse you of not really listening to me. I stated quite clearly that it didn't matter to me if uh, Jesus existed or not because um, you could still believe in the philosophies of Jesus uh, without believing that he actually exists. And... I don't know, it sounds like you're backpedaling now. If you go back and listen to your segment, I think you would have to agree that you're giving it a lot more weight than you are now representing. 
it seems like your standard of truth is pretty low on this matter. And although the burden of proof is on you, I actually did offer a lot of proof to the contrary. I've even included the same historical figures that you pointed out. And in discussion, how am I supposed to reply to you? I mean, am I supposed to not give you the information that I have? Not give you my perspective? I'm trying to improve upon your perspective as much as you improve upon my perspective. Again, did you not hear me say how I love the philosophy of Lao Tzu and try to follow and live my life by the philosophy of Lao Tzu, yet there's very little proof that he ever existed. You're certainly within your right to believe that Jesus existed. What I'm saying is you're believing so on very, very little to no evidence. You could almost say that the evidence that you offer for the proof of Christ actually existing borders on faith and belief. <laughs> for those of you that can read history, you would know that Patrick, by your own admission, you're accepting the existence of Jesus on very little evidence. Again, you keep mentioning Roman archives, texts of some nature that certainly do not exist, and you haven't acknowledged the burning of the Library of Alexandria in that whole era that just predates Christ and then into the time of Christ. You haven't addressed that at all. How is there any kind of record keeping? Seriously. You posed your evidence as substantial, and it is not. Look it up. Of course, you can philosophize and extrapolate all you want, but the actual information, the actual data, is what's known as non-existent. I understand. I mean, some people just aren't down for the upgrade. So to keep this discussion framed... You have stated your opinions and you gave your sources. I gave my opinion and then gave my sources. You represented your sources as substantial. Substantial enough for a logical man such as yourself to believe that they were true. However, a mere look into your sources finds them to be very unsubstantial. With 81% Americans believing in Jesus, or at least believing in a God up in the sky, with religious dogma ripping America apart, I think it would be dangerous for you to say the things that you're saying without them being checked. And still, I would fight for your right to believe and worship however you felt fit. But ideas do not take precedence over people. People come first. Reason and logic follow. And if you're going to walk the road of reason and logic, 
you better come prepared because there are other people on that road and nobody likes to be steered in the wrong direction. All right, Integrity Radio. times it's hard to say what you mean it's hard to say and really accurately depict what you're trying to get across and that's what I love the internet for because you can sell YouTube specifically because you can search for the people that say the things that you would like to say and they say them oh so eloquently and I would like to point you all to Another one of my heroes, Christopher, the, the late Christopher Hitchens, on a speech that he gave 
right before he passed. And I just want to say that when I challenge you, I'm actually challenging, challenging your ideas. I'm not actually challenging you. I am no authority to judge you, um, nor would I want to. If you're communicating with me, then I'm assuming that you wish to be challenged and that you would also do the same for me and challenge my ideas. Again, I just ask that you keep it within reason. Let's keep it to facts and logic and uh, sort of try to keep subjective opinions out of it as much as possible. The fact that you and I are talking and communicating puts you at the top of my list of human beings on the planet. I give to you, ladies and gentlemen, Christopher Hitchens. I'll close on the implied question that Bill asked me earlier. Why don't you accept this wonderful offer? <clears throat> Why wouldn't you like to meet Shakespeare, for example? I mean, I don't know if you really think that when you die you can be corporeally reassembled and have conversations with authors from previous epochs. It's not necessary that you believe that in Christian theology, and I have to say it sounds like a complete fairy tale to me. The only reason I want to meet Shakespeare, or might even want to, is because I can meet him any time, because he is immortal in the works he's left behind. If you've read those, meeting the author would almost certainly be a disappointment. But when Socrates was sentenced to death, for his philosophical investigations and for blasphemy, for challenging the gods of the city, and he accepted his death. He did say, well, if we are lucky, perhaps I'll be able to hold conversation with other great thinkers and philosophers and doubters too. In other words, that the discussion about what is good, what is beautiful, what is noble, what is pure and what is true could always go on. Why is that important? Why would I like to do that? Because that's the only conversation worth having. And whether it goes on or not after I die, I don't know. But I do know that it's the conversation I want to have while I'm still alive. Which means that to me, the offer of certainty, the offer of complete security, the offer of an impermeable faith that can't give way, is an offer of something not worth having. I want to live my life taking the risk all the time that I don't know anything like enough yet, that I haven't understood enough, that I can't know enough, that I'm always hungrily operating on the, on the margins of, of a potentially great harvest of future knowledge and wisdom. I wouldn't have it any other way. And I'd urge you to look at those of you who tell you, those people who tell you at your age that you're dead till you believe as they do. What a terrible thing to be telling to children. And that you can only live. And that you can only live by accepting an absolute authority. Don't think of that as a gift. Think of it as a, think of it as a poison chalice. Push it aside, however tempting it is. Take the risk of thinking for yourself. Much more happiness, truth, beauty, and wisdom will come to you that way. Thank you. I want to play for you what is, to me, the greatest scene in cinematic history. It's a scene 
from Harold and Maude. Have you, have, have you seen that movie yet? Me? Yeah. Yeah. You showed it to I'm me. I'm looking at you. I'm talking to you. <laughs> well, I'll be talking to your yeah, listeners. Well, I got the phone in my hand like 24-7 now, so... But uh, no, whenever I'm, you're in the room, I'm talking to you first and foremost. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you never saw Harold and Maude yet, did you? Yeah. You oh, you did? Yes. Oh, okay. So, um, well, I'm going to play the scene anyway because I want to see it. And I think the listeners might get a, a kick out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is, this is me, baby. This is all me. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it. Or no, hope you enjoy it. It's the flower scene from Harold and Maude. I should like to change into a sunflower, most of all. That's so tall and simple. What flower would you like to be? I don't know. One of these, maybe? Why do you say that? Because they're all alike. Oh, but they're not. Look, see. Some are smaller, some are fatter. Some grow to the left, some to the right. Some even have lost some petals. All kinds of observable differences. You see, Harold, I feel that much of the world's sorrow comes from people who are this. Yes allow themselves to be treated as that well i think it's fine building jumbo planes or taking a ride on a cosmic train switch on summer from a slot machine Get what you want to if you want, as you can get anything. <laughs>